0: Here we go. Neutron, proton, mass defect. Lyrical oxidation. Your irrelevant mass spectrograph. Your electron volt. Atomic energy erupting as I get all open on beta gamma rays. Thermal cracking. Cyclotron. Any and every mic you're on. Transguradium. Your if you're always your radium. Molecule Molecules combustion. Pow. Law of death. net proportion gain. weight. I'm every element around. Welcome to Spark Science, where we share stories of human curiosity. I'm here today with the president of Western Washington University, Sabah Rendawa. How's it going?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: So we wanted to have you on the show because I'm a physicist, you're an engineer. So you, you're, a, you're now a big administrative person, but you started out as a scientist. So I wanted to talk to you about that path. So we always ask, like, um, guests the same questions every single time. And we wanted to turn back time, when did you Get into science. Like, what sparked your interest into science? Before we get into what is it like to be a president, right.
1: I think it was mathematics. Really? Uh, for me, it was math that really got me interested. Now, I have to say, you know, your, you know, your, when you sent me the note, it made me think a little bit about the past. <laughs> it's and good, one, right? it is good, okay. exactly. And so, one of the things was that uh, I went through a very different schooling system. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Pakistan, uh, where there was a lot less flexibility, either in the school system or at the university.
0: So you're like on a track very
1: early on. I'm on a track very early on in my career, and I like mathematics, um, so I ended up in mathematics. Um, So one big regret I have in my life is that I didn't get to explore biological sciences very much. Yeah. Because once you pick a track in that system, you're on that track, and then it's a lot of time going back and trying to take courses in Right. Whatever else, uh, not sure if I would have pursued that, but uh, it was but really the interest know. in you never know exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But it was mathematics that got me going.
0: So, so when you say the track is like kind of figured out for you early on, how early is that?
1: For me, this at the time. So mm-hmm. this is many many moons ago. Right. Um, we are talking about um, going to school in the. Uh, I graduated from high school uh, in seventy two. Uh, so at that time, you are talking about 7th or 8th grade. Wow. And, so at the, and then I went into O-levels, so it was a British system, mm-hmm. part of the British Commonwealth, Pakistan at that time. Right. And so you get into O-levels uh, in the ninth grade, and then O-levels, A-levels. But it's really 7th, 8th grade that you are doomed, or one way or another, <laughs> and uh, depending on what you select.
0: Right. So, so, so you're in 8th or ninth grade, and you're like, I like math. And then they kind of track you into kind of a physical science track. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And but was there anything along that path that kind of piqued your interest?
1: I'm not sure if I would have a clear answer just because of memory over time has has really um, uh, but I think what uh, what really intrigued me was sort of uh, not pure mathematics but really the applied math and how it is used in in different areas and, and you know how critical it is Really, at the core of center, whether you're talking about physics or chemistry or what have you.
0: So, were you one of those students that was very much like, "This is intuitive, so I understand this problem," versus like, "I just kind of, uh, the theory wasn't as important."
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I have to say that even when I decided to you know go into engineering after that, um, uh, the choices in terms of what engineering field I pick had a lot to do with question that you asked. Right. Um, so I never, I have to admit, I never was sort of a hands-on engineer. So I never was great working on the cars or, you know, right. doing those type of things. Opening the toaster. Opening you the toaster. And, but what I was interested was in processes and systems and, okay. and, you know, sort of math being at the center of it.
0: Right. So I, I guess that is kind of in between because I remember growing up and I went here at Western and I remember being in the physics department and having math majors say, like, let's solve this problem and there's like six solutions but physicists can look at those six solutions and be like well these are the only two that can actually that, happen that can. and the math majors will be like i don't understand what you're saying right. right so so you're saying like somewhere in between that was where you were kind of right hitting. right yeah so what made you want to come and do your graduate work here in the united states
1: so uh, there were a couple of things if i can just go back that yeah. really set up the trajectory for the future um um, so I, I um, did my undergraduate in chemical engineering, okay. which was great. And then, in, in fact, of the of the options that were available, that was one that was for me was from the process orientation, from the systems orientation, worked out great. Yeah, because you know interest in controls and things of that nature, which were more mathematically driven than trying to do manipulations by hand. Right, or what, you're not what making you? molecules. Exactly, <laughs> you're designing it more than making it. Right. Um, and then I went to work for uh, British company, Imperial Chemical Industries, that right. had a big presence in the subcontinent at the time. And I went to work in this uh, facility that was out in the boonies. Okay. It was away from civilization, and you were really cut off. Okay. Even though the distance wasn't that much, but in 1975, 76, it took forever to get there.
0: Mm,
1: okay. um, I was hired as an engineer to work on quality issues and so on, but as serendipity have it about two weeks into my job, a number of what they call shift managers quit.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a number of them?
1: Two or three of okay. them. So <laughs> no questions asked. I was called in and said, you're going to be a shift manager. Wow. And, and how long have
0: you been working for them at that about point? About three weeks. Oh, Lord.
1: And said, so I got a two <laughs> or three weeks training, and then I was put in charge of a shift. Um, and this was a shift that rotated every week. So you had morning shift, and then afternoon, and then graveyard. And uh, and the reason I'm giving you a background is what I, what's coming next. Yeah. Um, so uh, in the morning and afternoon, I was in charge of about 40 people, who worked on the facility. At night, I was in charge for the entire plant, two, three hundred people who were there. That's
0: so scary. It is scary.
1: <laughs> and, you know, I was pleased that I did really well. But I think what, what really um, shaped me was um, the timing of those shifts
0: really
1: um Why? so when in the afternoon and uh, graveyard shift i was on my own everyone else was working this was a uh, a small community actually there there was a um, a colony that the company had built right. where pretty much for the workers because it's there was nothing a around town for it's a the town for them company. for
0: and so let me just get this right. You had just finished undergrad, or you're still in undergrad? I
1: finished undergrad, and you just
0: so you only have a bachelor's degree, and, and three, three weeks, weeks in, and, into time okay. running, got it. Just so, to be clear,
1: <laughs> so in the particularly in the um, in the in the graveyard and the afternoon shift, I was on my own. Yeah. So what I did was two things. One, I uh, went and played billiard on my own. They had a club, and so I got really good at that. Right. But the other thing I did was I read a lot. Mm-hmm. Which I hadn't done as much before going in and read things that had nothing to do with engineering. I read literature and a bunch of other things that I were able to lay hands on. And that really opened my mind and helped shape up a lot of things that happened thereafter.
0: So it was just downtime.
1: It was just downtime. In the morning shift, so that you know, there were two things I did. I played Badminton when everyone else was done. And I got really good playing bridge. Oh a very wow. good bridge. I haven't played for a long time, but that was the so that, you know, particularly just just exposure to, to reading. Um, yeah. And, and one of the things I read during that time was also um, about systems engineering. I had a colleague there who had who had a systems engineering degree from England at the time.
0: And so give us a definition of what exactly systems engineering is, because we say engineering and our listeners and watchers think of like buildings or they think sure. of mechanics.
1: Sure, sure. So um, in, here in states, I think the closest that comes to is really um, in the field of industrial engineering, but particularly around optimization. You know, okay. if you have a system, how do you work it around constraints so you can optimize whatever your objectives or goals happen to be
0: so it's kind of like management slash but driven mathematically right right. exactly right okay
1: and so that's what really drove my interest when i decided to go to graduate school
0: okay and so i mean i find this super interesting because i think when we talk about downtime it made me instantly think about where did the sciences originate right they originated because People had time. They like it was. It was in the aristocracy. It was people that had exactly. money. Yeah. And I remember really wrestling with that idea because growing up, I'm, and still probably, I'm a very much of a class warrior. So I was like, no, it can't be the rich. But it is. It. it I mean, you have to have time to actually ha- think about these problems and work through them, right? Right. You know, you watch
1: the water flow by and just think. You know, why are the ripples it. there? <laughs> right. And
0: and then the other <laughs> exactly. thing that made me think about it uh, about something when you were talking is that basically you had time to also self reflect right like right. you're not you're not just working you know from 8 9 to 5 and then just you know being exhausted yeah. at home you actually have some time to reflect like what do i want to do what was happening today yeah. all that kind of stuff which is hard
1: which is hard and i was fortunate from that perspective yeah. you know a graveyard shift from 11 at night to 7 in the morning you sleep for 5 6 hours then what there was no civilization close by to go and watch a movie or go right. and Right. Uh, spend time with friends. I, I'm on my own. All my colleagues are at work.
0: Are you more of an introvert? Because I think and, I might have gone insane. And,
1: and, and I, I am. <laughs> okay. uh, um, and so, again, it gave me a lot of time to, to just sit back and.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you, you kind of are reading all this stuff. You're like, maybe I'm interested in this. You apply, you get into grad school. And then you kind of, do you take that kind of traditional path to become a professor, get your PhD, and just get do that tenure job? Yeah,
1: and so I would also tell you that I had no intention to become a professor. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, my, my goal was that I'll do graduate school. My, my dad, uh, both my parents didn't, didn't get a college degree. They were really interested in me getting education. We yeah. didn't had good graduate education in Pakistan at the time, particularly in engineering. Um, and so my goal was to finish engineering and then maybe get into an organization, uh, if not industry, but something like Battelle that sort of intersects between, you know, working on applied problems and sort of the academic okay. exploration or creative part of it.
0: But not being in front of a but class. But
1: not in front of that was not in 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 in, in my thinking at all. Right. Um, and I got into it. Uh, and in fact, uh, I did my graduate work at Arizona State University. And my department at the time, Dick Smith, had asked me a number of times to teach because they had uh, PhD students, you know, teach a course or and two. They, and they like needed you to probably. And too. he needed to. And I always <laughs> made a good excuse. And he was very nice. And you <laughs> said and I said, I'm working. I'm collecting right. data or whatever. My leg hurts. Uh, my leg hurts until he called me one day at home, and I couldn't say no. He said uh, he was teaching a course, and he said, I need to go into surgery tomorrow. And you can't say surgery. So, I would like you to cover my course, and that changed the course. And I I have to tell you, I absolutely killed myself that four of six weeks I covered for him. I was there at night mm-hmm. lecturing to empty rooms. You know how it is when you start. Yes. You had no confidence. You do not know what the hell is going to happen tomorrow.
0: Yes, yes. But you see the glaring uh, yeah, eyes and exactly. then the confusion and then the sleeping.
1: But I, I thought that, you know, once I did it, um, I enjoyed it. I thought, you know, you know it is hard work and it's going to require um, how I approach it and, you know, certainly a different path, mm-hmm. um, but it's certainly worth trying. Yeah. And then, you know, after he was back, um, uh, my chair and uh, department, had, he asked me if I'd like to teach and I said, sure. So I taught yeah. two or three courses for the remaining about nine months or so wow. I had there. Um, I taught a couple of courses in summer and then one in each of the two semesters and, you know, the rest of the story.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like your life kind of has these instances where you've been forced to do things you don't want to do and then you like them. And,
1: and the main thing <laughs> the, the main thing is, I, what I learned from it, you're right, is um, to give it a shot before saying no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. so one always has an opportunity to backtrack and do something else with life. Right. But uh, um, not exploring an opportunity when it's there for you, right. maybe you can discover something, we can discover something about ourselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember people always, um, my other physics friends, because I'm a very much of an extrovert, and I was like, let's hang out, let's let's study together. And I remember telling people like, I would never want to just hang out by myself. That sounds like hell. Like yeah. I don't I don't want to <laughs> listen to my own thoughts. That's awful. But the more I actually did that after I gave birth to my daughter, and I was like, need to be alone. Sure, can't can't sure. be mommy all the time. Um, I started to really realize I liked it, and I, I love what you said. Like. Being in front of that class, you kind of once you let go of that anxiety, you real you can just have fun with exactly. it. Exactly. Right. It's like exactly. a performance. You know, it's exactly. Sometimes I, I've heard professors say they put on their like professor hat where they're somebody else. Right. You know, and
1: you have to be your own self. You yeah. need to be some authenticity in right. terms of what you are saying.
0: But um, yeah. it, almost for them I think it's like being up there, it's kind of a performance, so that helps them. But yeah, no, for me, I, I love it. I, I love teaching, especially no, in the summers. Fair. So you, you become a professor. How how did this path happen of you becoming? You were, a, you know I think, an associate dean, and you probably did other administrative jobs. So how did that happen?
1: Um, so you know, one thing I did learn from becoming a professor is don't say no. Yeah. So in Oregon State, an opportunity came up to be a department head. Initially, on an interim basis, I said, mm-hmm. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I, I knew that uh, uh, working when I did the shift engineer business or shift manager business, you know, yeah. I you know I was pretty pleased overall, even though it was a difficult environment, just being out of college. Um, a unionized plant, you know, yeah. between management and the shift workers, right. you know. Oh, but I, so you're very in, you're so very I'm right familiar. in the middle, the middle of that, right. that intersection, if you would. But I thought I, you know, was able to handle it well, so I give it a shot. Um, and, you know, one thing I learned was that one thing I lost was the direct connection with students, okay. which I had always valued. And even today I have great friends, the graduate students and seniors that I work with. Uh, when I was a faculty member. But in administration, you lose that. But I think what I learned was that perhaps you could make a difference at a different level. Right. Um, yeah. It's like a nodes in the network. I mean, so you can't be every place. Right. But perhaps you can enable other nodes, other faculty member, you this can hire reaction. them, mentor them, exactly. Yeah. And um, so that's what then kept me going in. And, and, you know, as I moved up the administration, the other thing I really liked is that the, the higher up I move, the more I knew how, how little I knew about anything at all. Um, I mean, so even with engineering, uh, I mean, you know very narrow slice of what I was doing. Um, right. But that's a broad field. And then if you get to the university level and you talk about, um, you know, offering 150 degrees or 88 degrees, um, yeah. you are just odd. Right. At the amount of work, I mean, the amount of just the, the creativity, the scholarship, the knowledge that exists, right. and how much there is to learn out there.
0: So, I mean, I, I really, I like that because I think in the sciences we're kind of taught that you you can't know everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you can have this specialization, but there are other people working on all the other things. So for me, I think that that's kind of part of our our training, but was there other parts of the training, being an engineer, you know, that kind of helped you you think like what what in sure. our stem training helps with administration absolutely
1: so i tell you even today um this whole notion of optimization which is right. I, I if i have to go back i teach it any time i mean so there are two <laughs> subjects i really love teaching one was this mathematical optimization the other was um simulation modeling okay um so if i have to go back you know i still. Um, you may not believe it how much mentally I use it in the work I do today. Yeah. Uh, systems may be different. Yeah. Um, it's a different kind of system. It's a different kind of systems, but, you know, uh, constraints are different. Resources are different. You're right. talking about human resources versus physical the resources. interactions are different. Interactions are different. Yeah. Um, but I think from a philosophical perspective, we are talking about very similar uh, um systems right. or analogies. Um, I, I think the key thing is not to blindly use the the output from the systems. Right, right. <laughs> and it's how, to have it in
0: the how, back of your head. How does
1: it inform you in right. terms of, of what you're going to do? But I still, you know, a lot of times when I'm thinking about complex problem, I go back to thinking, okay, um, so I'm talking about, you know, a complex system here. There's a lot of interactions. You know, I think about Non-linear um, stochastic systems. You know, so this is, there's a lot of probabilities associated okay, yeah. with all this thing. Uh, they're all non-linear, so you can't be a straight line through right. from here to there. Everything is Ev- non-linear. Exactly, non-linear, and, and with it's, humans. It's, it's dynamic; it's continuously changing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, how do I mentally figure this out? Um, but there's always a
0: route to it, the, right? Exactly. There's always a route to a conflict or a route to um, like. The solution, where where the solution will come from. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So I, I you know, uh, at least mentally think about it a lot. Right. Uh, at least my my graduate training uh, around this whole thing, and then this notion about you know what are some alternatives here, which really goes back to modeling and how do mm-hmm. you try different things out without really uh, being locked into any one of them.
0: Yeah. Um, right. Being flexible. Being
1: flexible. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I, I love the the more you talk about it, the more I think about physics training and like we we always tell our students this will help you with problem solving. Mm-hmm. This will help you with problem solving, but it's a little more complex. It also helps you with like perseverance and also mm-hmm. having um, a mental picture of everything that you have at your disposal. So that's kind of physics. Like you you what is given? Like what are mm-hmm. all the variables? And I remember telling my my husband like I will see a problem in real life that has nothing to do with physics. Like. Where, you know, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, please. Um, so yesterday, I got a call from Dory's school and, um, or Dory's camp and they're like, she needs a swimsuit. And I was like, I, ha- I don't have a key to my house right now, I don't have a car, and I had to actually figure out how to get a swimsuit, which was at a friend's house. Like, and so there was like five people involved, two cars, but I figured it out within like 15 minutes. Yeah. And again, nothing to do with physics, but I had to think about all the resources I had what was the main goal? What is the end goal? Absolutely. Like, what is the least amount of bother I could give people? Yeah. And, and, and I, I think we use our science training all the time for non-science things.
1: I am with you. And I was going to also <laughs> share another example, which has nothing to do with work. Yeah. And nothing to, but I use it, um, I would say, 70% of the time um, when, I walk, when I drive into a parking lot that mm-hmm. is full. Yes. Uh, one of the classic problems in optimization is that you're going to, say, a movie or a theater or whatnot, or a football game or what have you, or mm-hmm. a Mariners game. Where do you park? So you can minimize the time and distance you have to walk to the game. So right. if you get too close, you may not get it, so you may end up on the other side far away. Right. Where do you, when do you decide you take the first spot? Right. And it's a pretty complex problem. Yeah. I think about that constantly. And I think about it all the time from the perspective of okay, this this is a dynamic programming problem. Yeah. When I go into a parking lot, okay, do I take this spot or is it safe enough for the car? And particularly when it's raining seven months during the year, you know, how far do you I'm talking exactly. (laughs) So,
0: right. But well, I love that because, I mean, you have to take into account all these things. But you also, like when you're at the grocery store, you also have to take into account you have to bring the cart back, yeah. right? So yeah. now how close are you to the yeah. cart return, right? Yeah, and you exactly. and you only have an hour and a half to shop because you have to be at this next meeting. Mm-hmm. I know you have a million meetings, right. right? And I've seen you at the grocery store. So <laughs> yeah. um, you have to think about, like, how long am I actually going to be looking for a parking spot? And, like, there's two entrances. So which entrance do I take? It's It's very...
1: But, but I use my training a lot in, yeah. my th- in my thinking in terms of how I structure, you know, mentally, particularly right. when there's a complex problem, is really complex. And so you need to provide some structure to it to get a handle on it. Right. And that's what, as you are saying, too, where, where I think training in, in STEM field is really helpful. You know, how do you structure a really complex, unstructured problem? Not that you are, you are tied to that structure, but to at least get started, and then you can build complexity to it right as you go along
0: i i love that so we're going to take a quick break and okay. then when we come back we're going to get into western and okay. like your your path here and maybe talk a little bit about your path at oregon but and then we'll talk about pop culture because i can't stop yeah. Welcome back to Spark Science. We're talking to Western Washington University President um, Sabah Rendawa, And um, we were talking about optimization. We were talking about being, like, um, being a scientist in academia and using those skills in various, various forms. So I kind of want to talk about your role now as the president of sure. Western. So, um, so I know that you're in many meetings. So you're in these meetings. And sometimes you're the only STEM person there. So, what is that like? I mean, you've been in this like environment in academia for so long that it might not be new. But when it first started, what was that like? I guess
1: right. Um, that's a really good question. Um, so, as I think about it, I um, I think there was a bigger factor at play than being the being the only STEM person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was certainly there. And typically in meetings, you know, my style is that I don't, you know, I. I I don't um talk all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, it's opposite uh, for me. I, I well I don't know about that. Uh and um, you know I try to listen and and then try to you know see if I can synthesize or in my head try to get the information together. But I thought perhaps more than uh being the only stem person the part that initially um took more work on my part was more cultural. Mm-hmm. Coming from a different culture mm-hmm. um in a culture where norms were different, uh, yeah. and trying to learn about that, trying to adapt but not blindly, um, and how do I, uh, you know, go out, and go about sort of navigating that path? Probably took. I mean, so I didn't consciously think about being the only STEM person. I do think there were times that it was really awkward when you had people who were um, from other fields that were mostly um, non-STEM. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but generally uh I, at least i felt people respected my perspective they may not care about it but at least on my face they didn't you know but i think in at least at, at osu where this whole process started um um, I, I think there was enough respect in terms of what I brought that at least people were open to listening to it. But I thought yeah. that the, in many ways, that the cultural factor, at least for me internally, overshadowed the stem piece. Oh yeah. And I know they are not, um, uh, they are no, not mutually exclusive. Right. I mean, so they, you know, they, they work together as a whole in terms of how it all comes together. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, being a stem person and being from. Um, from a different culture and country, um, uh, not being from the mainstream culture, and, and uh, you know, so so I, I don't know if I'm making any sense no, no, here No, you're not. making
0: complete sense because I will say, as we keep on saying STEM for our listeners and viewers, uh, science, technology, engineering, math, um, but for me, um, I, I didn't come from another country, I grew up 20 miles north of here, but academia is such a different culture yes. to, than what I'm used to. We were just talking during the break about TV. And um, for me, you're right, I, I, I'm in a lot of meetings too on campus, I talk to a lot of people who aren't, um, who aren't science majors or scientists, and you're right, initially they have this respect because science is you know up right. there and respected, but it is really hard to kind of be in this environment and come from a different culture. So for me, I came from the US, but it is a different culture. The, the, the mainstream culture of academia is not what I grew and, up with. And, yeah. and
1: again, same yeah. here, and, and I, I'm not in your shoes, but I would think um, what, would com- what would confound in your case would be STEM plus gender. Oh yeah, because well, STEM again, you know. So right. so they're different. So there's, that's a different confounding Ye- factor. Yeah, that, uh,
0: I I think for me it's like STEM, gender, and race because our town, as you know, and a lot of our listeners know, it's a very very white like yeah. town. And for being for me being in the room, I'm sometimes the only scientist. I'm the only person of color, right, in the in exactly. the room as well. So it it is very it is very. Um, off-putting but like you're right you don't think about it in that moment but then it something will be said once you know exactly <laughs> or, exactly, <laughs> or you think about it a week from there or you're in that meeting with the same people f- like five times and then you're like oh wait a minute yeah like maybe that's why people are understanding what I'm saying um, or totally getting my point of view not what yeah. the words I'm saying
1: yeah no yeah. I, I hear you and again I, I, yeah. I don't know what the right word is but it certainly compounds or
0: it's, it's intersectionality, the whole issue, right? Intersectionality of yeah, yeah, yeah but you're right. All these layers add together. But I think, um, I think academia, I think our town, I think our industries are really aware that these things are important, right? Like sometimes we are the only person in the room that is not mainstream. Um, and it, it people benefit from that like absolutely i ask questions that they wouldn't have asked they asked me questions that i wouldn't think you would have to Ex- ask uh,
1: absolutely and yeah. i would hope that they also get a chance to just like we think about it afterwards that what it did mean they everyone right. gets a chance to think and reflect a little bit about it right um but it's but i agree with you at the end of the day hopefully everyone comes out richer right. the more importantly the conversation comes out richer
0: right i uh, think so too because you're not going to get to the points if everyone's. Exactly. Thinking the exact same way. Yeah, um, al- many points I should say. So y- you got here to Western a couple years ago, and um, as a, s- I think you're the first. Are you the first like s- STEM scientist um, I- in the president position? Did you- do you know?
1: Well, I certainly know I'm the first engineer who was <laughs> in that position. I don't know if there were other you know scientists yeah. who were in the yeah. position or not.
0: Yeah, and and so. I remember you being hired and the sciences were so happy like like everyone it's almost like you know your team won the the world series you're or right, something because right. we we got we got a stem person in administration do you feel a conflict when you're in these in these meetings do you feel kind of you said sometimes you're in this position in your old job where you had the union and you had the the bosses and you're in the middle right. do you feel in the middle a lot in
1: well, I don't know about that, but I really make a, I've made a very conscious effort. I recognize yeah. uh, I am, how should I put it, uh, you know, I am um, pleased uh, <laughs> that the science folks think, you know, in terms of my hiring, but even yeah. at OSU too, uh, but I also made a very conscious effort because I do know that it does create um, sort of an uncomfortable, if that's the right term, or at least uh yeah. Uh, a Potential, not necessarily threat, but uncertainty maybe is the right term. Mm-hmm. Um, say for the, the humanities, other, for right. example, uh, or for other fields. That so, what does it mean for us? Mm-hmm. You know, um, is uh, uh, you know, is are the sciences going to be quote unquote favored more than mm-hmm. something else on campus or not? And I've um, I've tried to be very cognizant of it, and right. I recognize that you know people may think about it. Uh, right and it's my responsibility to make sure that i can um help reassure them as much as i can right um particularly through actions um, so when we hire faculty for example it's right. not all in science right. you know it's like 90% that we, will, <laughs> we, we, we need to make sure that you know there is a priority across the university we're advancing the university as a whole um we talk about um facilities or or opportunities that exist. so 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 I, I work on it on a on a very intentional level to make sure that I can um, um, make the rest of the campus feel at home, too.
0: Right. And, and to be honest, you're not the first person who has to worry about it. Like, everybody came uh, from some Everyone comes field. from
1: some background, right? absolutely. So
0: so I, I think if, if yeah, if, if you do ever hear pushback, you'd be like, everyone had to think absolutely. about this. Like, the yeah. guy before me, the woman before me had to think about this. Yeah swells inside The music floods you gently on your toes Been here for two years, but is there like one event that's been particularly super rewarding, or one or two events that have been rewarding in these last two years? And like maybe in there, what has been really challenging, you know? And maybe that's rewarding too. I don't know. Maybe that's it's a one. good
1: question. Ah, uh, <laughs> God, I need to think about it a little bit. Um, what has been? Um, so let me just give a couple of examples: one external and one. In, you know, I I thought my interactions in um with the legislature i found them very rewarding yeah Uh, i you know that was something i hadn't done Mm -hmm. Uh, i wasn't sure how that is going to work out you know how how i am how comfortable i am going to be Uh, but uh, or how they would interact or how they would interact but generally i've been i've been um, if i have to give myself a score (laughs) i thought you know i've done overall pretty good uh, from that perspective Internally, I would say, uh, you know, one of my biggest, um, you know, coming into any new place, you know, is about learning the culture of the place and right. the people of the place. Um, I think perhaps one of some of the more rewarding conversations have been um, the small faculty groups and mm-hmm. staff groups. Right. And just sitting down with them um, over a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and um, just listening. Right. What, what are their dreams? What keeps them up? How has Western failed them in some ways?
0: Yeah. I mean, Uh, that's wonderful that you're willing to actually hear that. (laughs) Um, And are you talking about, like, you have these, sometimes you have um, these open sessions where people can come talk, and sometimes you do visit certain groups as well. Uh,
1: Yeah, and and the ones that I have benefited most is the, the, you know, we have had these uh, three or four of them per term morning breakfasts. Right. With Brent there, too, um, uh, our, our provost, as you know. Uh, but but those small sessions, whether they are at breakfast or talking with students, you know, mm-hmm. come have a conversation, Yeah. really have been um, uh, very informational.
0: Well, it gives you that connection back to the students that you it said does. you were missing for so long. Exactly. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to bring us towards the end of our interview, and I'm going to ask you questions that I ask every single guest, and um, and it's about pop culture. And I've gotten answers like, I don't watch TV." And I'm like, do your kids watch TV? And they're like, no. So, um, it's okay, <laughs> that was, these are the answers I've gotten. Um, but we as scientists were portrayed in the movies and the comics and books as kind of like a one-dimensional character. Right. And it's like Doc Brown from Back to the Future, right. like that's that character. So what are your views, what is your like first maybe memory of like pop culture and what you saw yourself in your, as your career? Any thoughts about that stereotype? Yeah.
1: So when I uh, got any time, particularly when I was a graduate student here, uh, I did watch a lot of TV, Excellent. particularly old shows and whatnot. You know. Uh, I want to know which
0: ones uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we. Uh,
1: but what I really w- like watching over the years, and I still do a lot, are um, British comedies. Okay. On on the public radio.
0: Okay. And oh, uh, on the public radio. Oh, excuse oh, me, on
1: the public t- uh, TV. Uh, okay. Public. T-
0: so this is like Faulty Towers, like. So
1: I love British comedy, Faulty okay. Towers. But <laughs> what I really like is the mystery. Oh. So, Foils War, and okay. we can go up and down the list. I never
0: watch any of those. The Fall yeah. just came out, right? That was like super intense. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, so I've really enjoyed watching that a lot. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but. Um, um, But I, you know, once in a while, it's good to watch TV. It gives a little perspective on what's going on in the world uh, and where people are going. I mean, say I don't watch it a lot, right? uh, But I do watch it, and I said, you know. um,
0: Do you do you think you like mysteries because it's like a problem to solve? Do you think that there's something in the back of your head that's like? I don't know if I
1: grew up in a British culture and I like their accent there or what. But (laughs) it's like soothing. It's soothing, or. Uh, or I like in the background someone playing cricket or whatever, but right. but uh, you know part of it might be what you're talking about. Right. Uh, but it, you know, it's interesting because you know there's, uh, you know, I remember when I was growing up. Um, oh God, what was the mystery over there? At least that was uh, which was produced here uh, by John. What's his name? Peter Falk. Uh, I don't know.
0: We're not talking about Sherlock.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> this was here. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't
0: know. It uh, makes, you're making me think of Murder She Wrote for some reason. Well,
1: I was watching that last night too, <laughs> believe <laughs> it or not, because there was nothing going on. So I said, "Okay, this." Uh, you guys thinking of Colombo? Colombo, thank you there. so much. Yeah, you're yeah, I was thinking thank of Colombo.
0: Our camera person, thank you. Um, Colombo, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I was gonna say I watch a lot of British TV, but it's all comedies. It's not. Okay. It's not any No, history. I like their you know. I watch Miranda. It's a very good one, um, but like I, I was talking to somebody about mystery movies, journalism, and science, and how, in my opinion, like detective novels and that kind of stuff, and it, it's all the same to me. Yeah, it's literally all the same. And,
1: and I have to say, you know, when I get to TV, you know, our daughter says, I mean, so she 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 really enjoyed watching mis- the the TV mysteries with me. Mm-hmm. But she would not go out for a movie with me dad you watch so depressing movies that you know you're on your own um (laughs) but i um i lost my train of thought um but at times i do try to get away you know from work and okay let's watch something that that has nothing to do with optimization for a minute or whatever you know the the issue of higher ed issues (laughs) of the day are um so from that perspective it's it's nice um you know I, I do at times think about when I watch TV, not very often, but once in a while, um, how they represent certain groups of people. Right. So Big Bang Theory. Oof. And how they represent red scientists flag. and computer scientists or mathematicians. Right. Um, now they're sort of stereotyped in, 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 in yes. certain ways. Yeah. Uh, which is. Um, we were
0: just talking about that, and um, a student in the honors program said, you know, oh, there are all these people, that, they're antisocial, all of them are men, and then they finally put in women, but they always have to refer to the men. And then I raised my hand and I was like, and the only person of color is international, and they didn't give him a romantic um, story right. until like five seasons in. Right. So he's not really a person. And so so there's issues. There are, yeah. (laughs) But I will you brought up cricket, and I just want to bring up real quick. um, When I was in grad school, um, both grad schools uh, in San Diego State and at Washington State, I had friends who were from India. One was from Bangalore, one was from Mumbai. But they both loved cricket. And and, um, my friend Arun from, uh, from Bangalore, he was like, we need to watch this movie. And I was like, what movie? And he's like, Lagan have you watched this I movie? have watched
1: the movie yeah <laughs> and I
0: was like it's so long and I love it, musicals
1: but it is it, it, and, so and, and I yeah but Indian <laughs> movies are really long yeah. and I have to admit that it's it, it requires an effort but I have yeah. watched it but the other yeah. one I was you know I was thinking about you know if you were to ask me one movie around scientists right. and mathematicians um, that I have watched um, that I would recommend would be hidden figures
0: yeah yeah. Which
1: I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, about the African American mathematicians, women mathematicians. Right, in the 19th Working with NASA yeah. in the early stages or early um, phases of um, space program.
0: Right. I loved that movie. Yeah. My, uh, my daughter and I watched that movie, and there was other um, students there from Western and, and faculty. And that scene where um, John Glenn is coming in and there's right. a fireball, my daughter grabs my hand and she's like, does he live? And I was like, he died last he week. He just passed away, and, and exactly. And like 90-something, yeah. he's fine. Like, he yeah. had a nice, happy life. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how good that movie um, was made. I mean, that, that's how good that movie yeah. was because if you had kids that were like freaking out and were so engulfed in that story, it, it was such a good, I It I was agree. a very nice movie, yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm glad she watched it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: and was worried about this guy. Um, yeah, he was great. And actually, that storyline of him... Was all very accurate, which I was yeah. very pleased.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had the opportunity to meet John Glenn really? many years ago, and uh, he was a commencement speaker at Oregon State. We had oh, invited wow. him. Did you get to and, go out uh, to like dinner with him and stuff? We had dinner with you know, and it was uh, a yeah, just a wonderful person.
0: Oh wow! Well, my daughter was worried about him, but I was yeah. like, he had a nice, happy life. Yeah. Well, um, I I want to thank you for talking Absolutely. to me and. Talking to me about all these things, I'm glad that your life experience had me think about all these things, you know, how we're using science in our everyday lives, optimization. Now I have a a word for what I do in the parking lot all the time. It's wonderful. But I want to thank you. I'm going to shake your hand like an adult. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Spark Science. If you missed any of our show, go to our website, sparksciencenow.com. If there's a science idea you're curious about, send us a message on Twitter or Facebook at Spark Science Now. Spark Science is produced in collaboration with KMRE and Western Washington University. Today's episode was recorded at the Digital Media Center at Western Washington University in Bellingham, Washington. Our producer is Regina Barber-DeGraff. Our audio engineers are Natalie Moore, Andrew Norton, and Tori Hiley. Production was also done by Darren Brown, Robert Clark, Suzanne Blaze, and the DMC crew. Our theme music is Chemical Calisthenics by Black Alicious and Wonderland by Janelle Monet. Lead, gold, tin, iron, platinum, zinc. When I rap, you think. Iodine nitrate activate. Red right, geranium, the only difference is I transmit sound. Dallas
1: with some balance, then you add a little talent in.
0: Careful, careful with those ingredients. They can explode and blow
1: up if you drop them and they hit the ground.